Man, all them good heaven songs we sing, it ought to make you homesick this morning. Amen. And if you got your Bible, I'd like to ask you to turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. The book of Daniel, chapter 6. I know some of you are thinking, oh, that's Daniel in the lion's den. But we're not going to preach about the lion's den. But we are going to look at something that we see in that opening few verses and I want to talk to us, you know, last week, we looked at God's faithfulness to us, his faithfulness. This week, we're going to look at our faithfulness to God and the importance of that, the importance of faithfulness. Just think if God wasn't faithful, the difference our relationship with him would be. And just think if we were more faithful, particularly in your personal life and in your family, the difference our relationship would be with him. Faithfulness makes a big difference in every relationship. You ever had an unfaithful friend? <laughs> is, there a good, is there such thing as a good marriage when there's unfaithful participants? Faithfulness is of dire importance in every relationship. If you look here, Daniel is an old man. He's been in captivity. He's been taken from his home and Jerusalem as a son of Judah and brought to Babylon and he was taken into the king's court to serve the king as a slave, a, a eunuch probably, and he had served through many kings, at least four, and he's been there for a long time, well over 60 years, people believe, and this is what we see about Daniel as you read, I want you to pick up something as we look. It says, it pleased, in verse 1, Darius, to set over the kingdom 120 sad traps. That's like governors, to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the sad traps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above all the other governors. And the satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit is a gift of God. It's something God helps to put in a man. And the king gave thought to setting Daniel over the whole realm, the whole kingdom. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against him. They wanted to get rid of him. And Daniel concerning the kingdom. But I want you to look at this. When your enemies who want to get rid of you say this about you, you can know it's true. It says, but they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Do you see that? Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Father in heaven, I pray today that you'll bless the teaching and preaching of your word, that we might be inspired, encouraged, and have a burning desire to be more faithful when we see the benefits, the importance of what it means to be faithful to you and how you use faithful men throughout the Bible to do special things that you can only do through those who have a loyal heart to you. So Lord, help us today to learn, help us to be more like these men that we're going to look at in Jesus' name. Amen. Faithfulness is a quality or an attribute applied in Scripture both to God and man. 
both to God and men, you'll see God use people who are attributed to as faithful. Last week we saw in the scriptures God is faithful to his children. Great is the faithfulness of our God. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things we celebrate and that we are thankful for about God. But I'm going to tell you what, if he wasn't faithful, I don't know what we would be able to do. I mean, the faithfulness of God is such a, a comfort. You see, we cannot overemphasize the importance of God's faithfulness in our relationship with God. But this Sunday, we are looking at our faithfulness to God, not his faithfulness to us. Last week, God's faithfulness to us. This week, our faithfulness to God. That's what I want us to look at. And I want us to think about it in this way. The importance of God's children, the children of God's faithfulness toward his God. The English noun for faithfulness can also be translated as trustworthiness or dependability. And if you don't think that it's important to you to be faithful, let me tell you how important it is to God. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. See, God's going all over the earth today. He's looking to and fro all throughout the earth so that he can show himself strong, so that he could pour his favor and give strength and blessing and ability and do marvelous things through somebody whose heart is loyal to him, who are faithful. Have you noticed that when you're unfaithful, it disqualifies you for a lot of things that God has been faithful to say he can do? You see, his faithfulness works with our faithfulness to do miraculous things. Nothing disqualifies you for miraculous, supernatural, God-only ability than unfaithfulness. And nothing makes you more applicable, more worthy than when you are simply devoted to God in a faithful relationship. This is Daniel. He's an old man. He's been in this position in captivity in Babylon, serving since he was a young boy. Most people believe he was probably around 15 to 17 when he was taken into captivity. And what I want you to look at today is, does faithfulness just happen? Do you think some people just naturally have a faithful disposition? Or do you think faithful is something that is taught, that is learned, that is a discipline? That's an exercise. Because I'm here to tell you, if any of us here is going to ever be faithful, the first thing you have to do is purpose it in your heart. You have to make a decision that, God, I don't want to be like I have been or like other people are. I want to be faithful. I want you to turn back with me to Daniel chapter 1. And as we look at Daniel this morning, I don't know of a better example of a faithful child of God than Daniel and the three Hebrew children Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What has happened here in Daniel is that God has judged his people. Nebuchadnezzar has come in. And Nebuchadnezzar has besieged and he has destroyed Judah as a nation, as a country, as Jerusalem as a city. And he's taken all of these young people who he thought was useful to him. He took the cream of the crop, the best. And he took them as slaves, and he took them with him. 
And I want you to pick up the story here as it says. It, it reminds me very much of what we see going on today. It says in the third year, verse 1 of chapter 1, in the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. That's the king of Judah where Jerusalem sits. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. You know, today I look around, would you agree with me that it seems as if America, the one we knew, has been besieged? It's been surrounded by an enemy that wants to take everything that once stood for God, everything that we once took for granted that we just always would have, freedom, spiritual maturity, spiritual life, spiritual awakening, just a spiritual atmosphere where people love the Lord and the, the culture and the society was a result of a people influenced by God. But today, if you look around, that influence is depleted. What was, we once thought was just how we would live forever seems to be fading quickly. And friends, listen, that's what happened to them. They were living. These boys were, grew up as Jews, as part of them were, were part of the, the kingdom and worked in the, in the, in the temple even. And look at what it goes on and says in verse 2. And the Lord gave up Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. He took their God and everything that was special about their worship, the most treasurable things he tore destroyed their temple he took all their treasures and he took them to his house but worse than that he took some of them with him even look at verse three then the king instructed Ashpenaz the master of his eunuchs does anybody know what a eunuch is it'd be bad enough to be taken captive as a slave to go serve your person who came and defeated you your enemy but a eunuch was a man who had been taking away his sexual ability to be a man so that you could control him. It is high probability that Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach and Abednego lived their life the entirety in Babylon as a eunuch because that's the first thing they did to a slave, especially when he was going to be used to serve in the palace in the presence of the king. It was for safety. It was for control. Look at what he goes on and says. The king instructed the master, the master of his eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. These were your blessed people. These were your higher-ups. They were not just slaves. They were the men who represented the nobility and the, the, the king's descendants. Look, look at verse 4. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand. He took the cream of the crop. He took the best they had to offer. Why? Who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. So they bring them to change them, to transform them, to conform them. To become Babylonians with their literature and their ideologies. And look at what he says. Verse 5. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. And three years of training for them. I want you to take note. Three years. If they got there when they was 17, they would be 20. 
when they began to do what they were brought there to do. And it says, now from among those, and I want you to notice, of the sons of Judah. They were sons of Judah. God's privileged, covenant, called out special people were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was their Hebrew God-given names. But not only did he change their diet, not only did he try to change their minds and what they believed by changing their ideologies and their, their belief systems and giving them a whole new bunch of literature and, and language. But look at what also he did. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave them new names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. It's amazing to me, but in these four young men who God's picked out to show us in an example of faithfulness, he changed their name. He changed their diet. He changed everything they grew up being taught as true. But he could not change their heart. The first thing you see that Daniel said when all this happened to him. He could be easily said, God let all this happen to us. He let our cities fall. He let our church be taken away. He took away our life as we knew it and allowed us to be slaves. Curse God and die. But that ain't what Daniel did. Daniel purposed in his heart. The Bible says in that next verse. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Friends, I want you to think about this for a moment. If you're not going to be faithful when things are bad, when things are hard, when things are difficult, you're never going to be faithful when things are good, when things are easy. If you're not faithful in the worst of times, you can forget being faithful to God in the best of times. Because this boy, with everything he ever knew, everything he ever thought about his God taken from him and for other life forced on him, a pagan king in a pagan culture, in a pagan society, said, you're going to be our slave and serve us. Daniel said, I'm not eating your food. Why? Because his God had told him it was unclean. I'm a Jew. You don't eat that stuff. And because of the ceremonial law of Moses, he didn't eat it. And friends, I want you to think about this. What's being forced on us today <laughs> that we're compromising to, that we're accepting? You see, friends, just as they were sons of Judah, children of Israel, we are sons of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. We are his blood-bought children of God. And we're not supposed to be like them but the world is out there doing just what they did to them. They're besieging us. They're taking us captive. And they're forcing us, if we let them, to change the way we think, change the way we act, in an effort to change our heart. Friends, the amazing thing here is they changed a lot of stuff for Daniel, but they never changed his faithfulness and his commitment to his God. That's an awesome thing to think about. You know, think about throughout the Bible, the people who bad things happened to, 
And in spite of those bad things, instead of turning from God, they turned to God. Instead of blaming God, they, they, they worshiped God. One of the greatest of all, and I want to give him to you as an example before we go on, is Joseph. And Joseph was used by God to be able to establish, to be able to keep, and to bless his chosen people who would be his people, the Israel, the the descendants of Daniel, the 12 sons of Jacob. And his youngest son was Joseph. And God gave him a dream and showed him how I'm going to use you to help them and to be over them. And he told them to dream and they got jealous. And you know what he did? He threw him in a pit. They took his coat of many colors and brought it back to his dad. He put a little goat blood on it and said he'd been killed by a wild animal. And this is what they did to their brother, their youngest brother. They took him and they sold him into slavery. Can you imagine how he felt when his brothers, he went out there and they took him and they took his coat, his favorite, his, it had to be so precious to him that his father Jacob had given him. And they took it from him and they threw him in the pit and they left him in the pit. Then they started having an argument over whether they're going to kill him or not. And finally the oldest brother said, we ain't killing him, we'll sell him. Here comes some slave traders. They sold him into slavery. How wicked. How unfair. He was taken into slavery and they brought him and sold him to a man named Potiphar who was a general in the Egyptian army and he becomes his slave. Does he have a bad attitude? Does he say, I'm not serving anybody. I'm mad at God. You know know what he did? He was a person who had integrity and he was a man of faithfulness and he became such a good slave and a faithful slave that was so loyal to God and to where he put him that Potiphar recognized right away that he ain't like all the other ones. He's faithful. He has integrity. And he made him head of his house over everything. And sure enough, God, because he was faithful, because he had integrity, because he did what God would want him to do, and he lived the way God would want him to live, and he stayed loyal and faithful to his God, blessed him even as a slave in Potiphar's house. But what happened? The devil shows up. Y'all know the story. Potiphar's old wife, a seductress, decides you can have everything, even me. How many men would have said, boy, did I hit the jackpot? I got the wife and everything this old boy has. I'm fixing the show. He, but not Daniel. I mean, not Joseph. Joseph, because of his integrity, ran. He got falsely accused. Think about this. Falsely accused and thrown into prison. Potiphar brought charges against him. And he ends up in prison. When he gets to prison, golly, by now, I'm looking that he ought to have a bad attitude. But he didn't have a bad attitude. He didn't have a, woe is me, why is all this happening to me? He went in that prison, and he lived an exemplary life. He lived a life of faithfulness and integrity. And before long, he was blessed even in the prison. And then while he's in prison, God shows his favor. He gives him a special ability to read and understand and interpret dreams. And two people who were from Pharaoh's household The palace are in there. And they both have a dream. He interprets their dream. They get out. Each one's dream becomes true. One died, just like he said, and the other one was restored to his position. And he's now serving as the butler, the wine taster, in the king's palace. 
All of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. Where do you think that dream came from? Who do you think is sovereignly in charge of everything going on in Joseph's life? God. Well, why is God letting all this happen to him? Because some things we can only be learned. Some things can only prove and test us in difficult situations. And so he's in prison. He tells them, when you get out, tell your king, tell Pharaoh about me. They didn't tell him nothing until Pharaoh had a dream and no one could interpret it. So they go get Joseph. Joseph comes out. Pharaoh right away recognized that he's a man of superior character. He's faithful. He has integrity. He's a man you can trust. He's dependable and he proves himself. He answers the dream. And we know the story Pharaoh gave him. Second place of authority over the whole kingdom of Egypt. He becomes in charge of the famine that God sent. That God caused for a purpose. And what happens? His old daddy Jacob. And them begin to run out of food. And Jacob tells his sons, I heard there's bread in Egypt. Go get us some food. And they go. And here's God and his sovereignty. Friends, if he would have got mad and cursed God when he was in the pit, he'd have never survived to get to the prison. If he'd have been in the prison and got a bad attitude and whined and moaned and begrudged everything like we see people do today, he'd have never, ever got promoted to the palace. May I tell you today, if you're not going to be faithful to God in the pit, if you're not going to praise him and worship him, be true to him in the prison, you're never going to get to serve him in the palace. But God said he's faithful and God blessed him. That's just what he did, Daniel. The moment Daniel proved that he had a heart that was loyal, he purposed in his heart that I'm not going to defile myself to God. I'm not going to live like these pagans. And I'm not even going to live like all the other Hebrew children who was coming and giving in. You see, it was hundreds, if not thousands, probably well over a thousand of these young men that had been taken captive. All of them gave in to their new name. All of them gave in to their new diet. All of them became products of their new literature and their new language and their new ideologies. But these two, I mean these four. And look at the moment that Daniel showed that he is going to be faithful. God showed special favor to him that he didn't show to all the other captives. Look at what it says in verse 9. The moment Daniel said that he purposed in his heart he wouldn't defile himself. Look at verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Do you understand that you might make people like you, people might look at you, you might have a reputation, but God gave him special favor. Favor that God caused other people to see in him. And because of that, he told him, y'all know the story, but I'm going to go over it. He said, let us just eat vegetables and drink water. And the, eunuch, the, the chief of the eunuch said, man, that'll be my head if something happens to y'all. He says, well, just test us. Let us drink it for just 10 days and then look at us. Look, after 10 days of just vegetables, that right there would make me pass out. And water, no Coke, no wine, no Kool-Aid even, no hamburger." But he said, I'd rather have nothing good than to eat that that God says is defiled. And friends, after it was over, the Bible says at the end of 10 days in verse 15, their features appeared better and fatter 
and their flesh than all the other young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portions of delicacies and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Guys, listen. As for these four young men, look how God showed them special favor. God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Why would God give you spiritual wisdom and spiritual knowledge and special understanding and abilities when you ain't faithful? When you just live like you want to live, you're no different than the world. Friends, you can say what you want. You're not saved by your faithfulness. But what, how God uses you once you are saved is very dependent on your faithfulness to him. You know why we don't see supernatural miracles anymore in the majority of church people? Because the majority of church people are not faithful. We're compromised. We're more compliant to the world and what they do than Jesus and what he wants us to do. Do you remember what Jesus said in the Great Commission? He told them, all authority has been given to me, all power, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore in my name and, and, and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them all that I have commanded unto you. And then he says, lo, I will be with you always, even to the end. You see, we love that. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end. But guys, if you look at that in context, that's not for every professing Christian. That's for each Christian who's faithful to be participating in the Great Commission. The purpose for why we exist. Who have a heart to be a disciple maker. To see people saved. To baptize people. To teach everything that Jesus commanded, I say, commanded us to do. That's who he says I'll be with. Always. There's a lot of people, if you're honest, they're a Christian. But God ain't really showed much favor to them lately. You see, friends, he gives this special favor that we're fixing to look at. To those that are faithful. We love the story of the lion den. Daniel in the lion's den. How many of you want to get thrown in a lion's den? We love the story of the fiery furnace. Oh man, that's so cool. Jesus got in there and walked with him and stood with him. But how many of you, if Biden was to build a gold statue and say, everybody's got to worship this from now on. You got to become a Muslim. You can't worship Jesus anymore. Or if you do, we're going to put you in the fiery furnace. Boy, you think the church is small now? Friends, out of all of those people who came, Hebrews, sons of Judah, nobles, men who you think would have a patriotic commitment to Israel, if nothing else, bowed the knee, listened to the music, and sang the song, and worship the golden image. But not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All the others looked around. They said, hey, them Hebrews that's been given special favor. God put Daniel and 
charge. Then Daniel asked and got Shadrach, Meshach in charge. You see, their faithfulness won them a privileged position with special benefits. Even in captivity, why in Babylon, Daniel lived a blessed life. God always watched out for him and placed him in positions where not only was he blessed, but he was able to be influential for his kingdom and his king. Friends, Nebuchadnezzar builds the statue. He sets it up. He has a day of dedication. He calls all the satraps, all the governors. It doesn't say where Daniel is, but apparently Daniel was gone out of town or something. I don't know. But anyway, y'all know the story. They did not bow the knee. And you know what happened? When they didn't bow the knee, the rest of them cried out, Look here. They're not doing what you said. King Nebuchadnezzar, they're not bowing the knee. Look at with me in chapter 3 and pick up with me what happens. And I want you to think about this with me for a moment. If we were faithful, even to the point that we would trust God in desire, in danger, would you think that might make a difference today? When we, if the air condition ain't set right, have a problem. If Anything ain't the way we want, have a problem. I want you to look at this. It says when you look at verse 14 of chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready, he takes for granted, you're going to do it because I'm going to tell you to do it. Just like they took for granted, that we would go along with all that COVID bull. You can get ready. That was a test. Not by Washington, but by Satan himself to see just how easy we compromise. How easy we comply with anyone who tells us quit worshiping your God and go by our man-made rules. And we all sucked it in, hook, line, and sinker. Quit church. Gave up on everything. All because of a little virus. This ain't a virus. This is a fiery furnace. It ain't, I might get COVID. It's, you're fixing to get thrown into a pit that will burn you alive. And listen what they say. This image head was a fine, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot. It says, now if you are ready at the time, verse 15, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, and harp, lyre, and psaltery, and sympathy with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And then look at what he tells them. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now, guys, they didn't have time to go home and have a debate. They didn't get to form a committee and decide what the church thought was best. They had to instantly, from their heart, give a reply back. He didn't say, go home and pray about it. He said, who's going to save you? And look at what they said. They didn't need to think about it more than just a second. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you. In this matter. That's unbelievable. That's hard to believe someone would say that. Then they look at him to his face. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But even if he don't, 
Even if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, why is that important? Because this stands before idolatry in the whole land losing their relationship with the true God and worshiping a false God. Do you know how many churches today are worshiping a false Jesus that ain't of the Bible? A Jesus that promotes and okays immorality, um, murder of the innocent, and all sorts of things that are openly opposed to true teaching of the Scripture that the Bible would call heresy, that leads to what the Bible would call just losing everything with God. And friends, listen, here they said, no way. And then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Have you noticed that the world is okay with the churches who compromise? They're okay with the churches who don't stand on the truth. But boy, if you stand on Jesus and he's the only way, there's no other truth. There's no other way to be saved. It changes a lot. But guys, look at here. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and expression. He spoke and he commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded the certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they tie them up. I want you to take a little time to think about this. They're heating this furnace. They're tying them up. And they're sitting here thinking, well, we've made our choice. This is faithfulness to an extreme. Can I say an amen? And friends, listen. As he's heating it up, as they go to bring him up there, it's so hot. If you didn't think it was hot enough to kill, it killed his men putting them in the fire. <laughs> Look at what it says. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, verse 22, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, I want you to see this whole thing is a dedication. And everybody who has influence and authority has been brought there. The satraps, the governors, and everyone who is the one who's going to be telling everybody else what to do is there. To bow down to this false god that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But these three men are the only three that say, no, that's not God. That's not him. We're not bowing to that God. And we're not giving in to you, Nebuchadnezzar. Friends, do you think God is not going to show up <laughs> to a man or a woman who stands for him like that? You see, we listen to the devil and we let fear. You know why most of us are defeated? Not because God ain't here to be faithful and supernaturally protect you and provide for you. It's because we compromise the truth the majority of the time. We give in. And I'm talking to Marvin. Thank God for men of God who will still preach the word of God and don't care what people think. They care more about what God thinks. But would you agree they're becoming rarer and harder to find? And there are some nice, big, healthy churches where men are preaching it. 
Thus saith the Lord the way it's written, but the majority of them that's packed out this morning, they're cooling it off, they're bending it, they're, they're, they're washing it down. But friends, they didn't wash it down for a moment. Why is that important? I want you to think about this with me. It says, and these three men fell down. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to him, O king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men now loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. God showed up. Would you agree with me if the church began to trust God and not compromising and making deals with the government and the world that we'd see more of God if we were more faithful? Do you know how hard it is to compromise? It takes one second to purpose in your heart, I'm giving up, to lose. It's hard to win for God. But because of who he is, we can win because of him through us. He gave them this strength. He gave them this grace. I want you to think about this. He says, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste. Look, he answered, I see four. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. All of a sudden, it's not his God. It's not his statue. Now, you servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the sad traps and administrators and the governors and all of the king's counselors, all of his greatest minds, all of those in charge gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power, and the hair of their head was not singed, nor their garments affected, and the smell of fire wasn't even on them. And Nebuchadnezzar smoked, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me tell you what would have happened if these men would have compromised. The next day, that statue would have been their God. And everyone would have worshipped him. And that statue would have represented God. But because three men said, That ain't God. Let me show you who God is. My God is able and is willing and he can deliver us from the fire. But even if he don't, we are not worshiping your false God. We're standing on the Bible. We're trusting the word. We're going to throw us in. And even if he don't, let it be known to you, O king, we do not worship your golden image. But listen what happened because of that. When God pulled him out, Nebuchadnezzar, he done forgot about that statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and the servants of the Most High God. You know what he said? Let everybody now worship this God. You see, guys, God is still able. He is still willing to do supernatural things to people who believe in him enough to be faithful to him and trust him. Why do we fear the world? Why do we fear our circumstances? Why do we compromise so easy? Because we don't really believe our God is who he says he is. If you truly have faith in your God, it'll show up as faith in your life. You look at Joseph at the end of his life. As he was at the end of God's plan, his daddy finally died, Jacob. And they took Jacob and they went and buried him. And his other brothers said, oh, no. Now the old man's gone and Joseph's fixing to get us. Surely Joseph is going to get revenge and get even and get us back for the evil that we did to him. 
I mean, we caused him. We threw him in the pit. We threw him into slavery. He ended up in prison. And God showed him favor and made him next to Pharaoh. All he's got to do is say the word and we're going to be dead. So they're scared and they're wondering, what are we going to do? And so they, they, they come back, and this is in the 50th chapter of Genesis. You need to really read the story of Joseph. It's unbelievable. And it says, then his brothers also went, and they fell down before Joseph's face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. Am I God? But as for you, you meant it for evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day. So that I might save many people, including you and your family. You see, God, for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, works things all together for good. Even when you're in the pit, God's with you. And if you're faithful in the pit, he'll get you out. And he might put you in a prison. You might say, what? Well, that's better than the pit. So you're in the prison. And while you're in the prison, you'll do right. You do everything you're supposed to do. But the world won't do right to you. People will misuse you and mistreat you. They won't keep their word because they're not faithful. But if you remain faithful, God will get you out the pit. He'll get you out of the prison. He'll get you out of the slave house. And he put him in the palace, my friend. All because he was faithful. If we were faithful, do you know how much more God could do with us? I'm here today to encourage you that faithfulness is important. That faithfulness makes a difference. And friends, I'm here to tell you, our God is faithful. Can I get an amen? We think of old Daniel in that lion's den. He was old. This happened like what we just read this morning. They were young. When we read chapter 1, when he purposed in his heart, he was probably a teenager. And then he went through three years of them trying to brainwash him and conform him into a Babylonian. But he came out. He never was. He stayed true to God. He was a Hebrew. He was a child of the king. And he lived his life, and God continually took him in and out of bad situations, and he always came out on top because of God's favor. And here it is at the end of his life. They're still trying to get him. The world's always going to come against us. They're always going to scheme. They're always going to try to take away what God wants to do in our life. And here's the old Daniel. God's blessing him. He's an old man. And the king, the new king, King Darius says, you know, that old Hebrew Daniel, he's the best governor I got. I believe I'm going to bless him and make him over all the other governors. Them old worldly, ungodly governors said, we got to get rid of him. We got to get him out of here. But they couldn't find anything against Daniel. That he was, he was found faithful. There was no charge. So they said the only way you're going to get him to go against the king is to make him go against his God. So they came up with a scheme that you couldn't pray for 30 days. And if you did pray, you'd be thrown into the lion's den. You know the amazing thing? Daniel went home after it says he knew. Go read it, chapter 6. After he knew the declaration, after he knew it had become law, he went home as had been his custom since his youth, and he knelt with his windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times to his God. You know what they did? They went and said, King Darius, oh, king, live forever. Did you know that that Jew, that one you've been being so nice to, that one that you're giving all these special privileges to, didn't honor you? He didn't do what you said? He went and prayed anyway. 
So he calls in. He says, Daniel, is it true? He says, yeah. And it says that the king even didn't want to put him in there. But he threw him in the lion's den. You know, there's some people that I've heard say, well, maybe them lions wasn't hungry. Maybe they just wasn't vicious lions. Well, all I know is they put Daniel in there, they shut the pit, and they all went to bed, and everybody slept but the king. The king stayed up all night because he knew Daniel was the best, trustworthy person he had in his service. And he said, I can't believe this is going to happen to Daniel. He goes down there early the next morning. He hollers into that thing. Hey, Daniel, was your God whom you serve daily able to save you? Oh, yes, king. I'm okay. Well, you think them lions wasn't hungry? They took Daniel out. They took them old crooked politicians and they put them in and they ate them all up instantly and killed them all. Friends, it wasn't that the lions was tame. It was that that angel God sent was able to protect. Friends, listen, we have all of God's help, all of his provision, protection, and more than anything, his presence. Yet we fret over so much stuff. Why are we worried about the condition of America? It should break our heart, but it shouldn't put fear in our heart. We have God on our side, amen? And today, if you want to get God on your side, make a recommitment. Say, Lord, I haven't been faithful, but today I'm committing to be more faithful. I'm going to purpose in my heart, Lord, not to defile myself. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to tell you what. If God looks at a person who is making a purposeful effort to have a loyal heart to him, he's coming to what? Show himself strong. He's looking today in every church for Christians who want to repent, who want to get right. So we're going to stand. We're going to sing. The question is today is, are you a Christian? And if you are, are you living faithfully to God? Because God's faithfulness is influenced by our faithfulness. You can see it over and over in the scriptures. What a testimony of Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach and Abednego. What an example in the life of Joseph. How many of you have been having some bad things happen lately? I'm going to be honest. We, we, we had the kids over this week for the thing, and we all were in there. And in the midst of all the celebrating, Diane had got a couch. Brother Charlie, hold your ears. You're going to fall out. But in the midst of all the fun, the couch buckled. And I'm like, oh, no. And Diane, I'm so feeling sorry for Diane. I'm like, Lord, here we are trying to have a celebration for Thanksgiving. You done let all that. And then the others, you know, when you got all them people in the house. I'll be honest, when it was all over with, I was like, what's going on? But you know what? I prayed. I said, Lord, it ain't nothing but a couch. But if it could be fixed, please help me. Now, I'm not no smart person. I'm not like Richard. I'm not a fixer. But I just went to bed that night, and I was laying there. I had done took the couch. We looked under it, and we'd seen what was wrong with it. And all three of the son-in-laws, Marcus, he can't do no play guitar. Chris, he sells perfume. And Mar- Blake is in the Army. It can't be fixed. It's broke. We're so sorry, Mama Diane, your, your, your couch is broke. I laid there that night, and I just prayed. and said, Lord, show me how to fix it. Man, in the middle of the night... I had a vision of bailing wire, a turnbuckle, some eye bolts. He said, you got a finishing nail gun and an air compressor? You go get you some boards, you get under that thing, and you brace her up. And I took them two eye bolts, put them in each side of them braces, took that bailing wire, put that, that um, eye bolt, I tightened her up. And I'm going to tell you what, I done gave it the 270-pound test. I even flopped on it a time or two. 
I'm ready for company again. Amen. They said, if, that ain't nothing but a couch. That is true. But God, he's watching us. He's got our back. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing you can't break that he can't fix. There's no sickness you can get that he can't heal. There's no weakness you got that he can't strengthen. If you'll just be faithful and believe in him and trust him, he'll fix whatever's wrong with you today. But you got to make a decision. you got a purpose in your heart. Lord, you've been faithful to me. I'm going to bow and be faithful to you. So I'm asking you, come today, make a commitment. Say, Lord, I've come to get right. I've come to be faithful. I've come to, 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 to give you my heart, if you'll have it. And you know what God will do? He'll show himself strong on your life and bless you. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. In all honesty, the Daniels and the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's and the Joseph's, or the minority, even in the Word of God. But Lord, if they would just be one today that would purpose in his heart not to defile himself, he would be enough to change this whole church if you so chose to use him. Lord, let that start with me. Let it start here in this room. Lord, take our hearts and let them not be conformed to this world, but help us to be transformed into what you want us to be. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you need to come, the altar is here. Jesus loves you. He'll help you.